Namaste and welcome Namaste. to our continuing series in Savitri. Savitri is the message with our beloved Alakta. We are on page three. Well, I'm going to start on page 374 because it's so, so beautiful. Uh, when he begins with <coughs> all living inscription of yes, the beauty yes. of love. We'll start In there. fact, that is the mantra after which the... Exactly. <laughs> so. exactly. <laughs> oh, living inscription of the beauty of love, missled in orient virginity, what message of heavenly strength and bliss in thee is written with the Eternal's sun-white script? One shall discover and greaten with it his life to whom thou loosenest thy heart's jeweled strings. O rubies of silence, lips from which there stole low laughter, music of tranquility, star-lustrous eyes awake in sweet large night, and limbs like fine-linked poems made of gold, stanzed to glimmering curves by artist gods, depart where love and destiny call your charm. I think I'll stop there so we can... So it's explain. so beautiful, several page. Several passages in Savitri, in Book 1, Canto 2, oh. then again, you know, uh, here we see, then subsequently when she comes back from the quest, and then when she is growing up, we see how Shurabindu describes the form. As in a mystic and yes, dynamic yes. dance. So generally there has been a tendency in us, um, I would say, misunderstanding of spiritual life. That it is dissociated from the form of things. But Sri once again brings back the ancient truth that the form is important to express the spirit. And when it doesn't express the spirit, it becomes, if I may say so, diabolic. <laughs> so, <laughs> there is the significance of the form. And every aspect of human form carries its own Meaning and sense. So the form carries a message. Life carries a message. So message is not just uh, the Vedas. They are written in the uh, script of uh, all this material universe. So he completely shifts us from our too much involvement with words. The moment we think of message, we think of words. Not realizing sometimes silence is a much more powerful message. So... <laughs> Just being is a message. Your posture is a message. The gestures are a message. Your being is a message. So all that he brings here, in you know, using this one word, and we'll read it from, I think we'll go a little, yeah. So on page 373, actually it is literally when Savitri comes, he has uh, heard the voice that the gods are still too few in human forms. And then, like an answer from the God, Savitri walks in. And there again we see it describes when she walks, her raiment, how she uh, enters the hall, and as she enters, her apparel, everything it describes. And then when he sees her, suddenly he sees that this is not just my daughter. This is none else but the Divine Mother who has taken a human form. It's one of those beautiful revelatory moments that come. And um, I mean... This is unparalleled, but I am reminded of, you know, the significance of form in Ramcharit Manas, in Ramayana. When uh, Rama walks into the assembly of King Janak, who has arranged a Dhanush Yagya. Whoever will break the Dhanush will marry his daughter. And it's a very difficult uh, challenge to pick up Shiva's bow and to, you know, uh, thread it around. And as the story goes that when he enters, his body, his form gives a different message to different people. So there are those who are, um, 
you know very strong or every all the prince who have come are very you know strong and veer and they are but the moment they see him they say oh my god he is the paragon of strength we don't stand a chance on the other hand all the ordinary common folks they look at him and they say what a tender beauty this is perfect for our daughter for janki but such a tender limb how can he ever <laughs> ever even imagine to lift the bow and the demons including ravana who is there in that sabha he looks at him and say oh my god he is death none else but death incarnate who has come to destroy me and the sages and seers they look at him and they do uh, they bow down they realize that he is none else but the embodied divine and king janak knows smiles that the one for whom i have waited for my daughter has come so it's so amazing that our our body a form this significance we has completely lost because you know body is as if meant only for either misuse or it's a vanity so here we see a description of that <clears throat> page 373 o spirit traveler of eternity who chemist from the immortal spaces here he looks at her and he realizes and so he is addressing her armed for the splendid hazard of thy life to set thy conquering foot on chance and time the moon shut in her halo dreams like thee so looking at her he knows that this is no ordinary soul which is going through the ascending curve of life it is a descent someone who is already in immortal and from there she has come and shubindu's lines are so wonderful always he combines two words so powerfully splendid hazard so you know this uh, several places uh, in nature's instruments loiters secret god lurks so many places he'll use a word which has a very different meaning and lifts it to a totally different the divine time. lurking divine <laughs> lurking so here we see splendid normally with splendid you think of pomp and show and something hazard <laughs> so splendid hazard of thy life and why she has come to set her to set thy conquering foot on chance and time she has come to take the challenge challenge of chance and time of destiny of fate this is the greatness of the great the average person runs away from adversity he doesn't want to take the challenge he wants to escape somewhere looks for an escape door but the great are the ones who choose to go through that door of fire and come out victorious because thus alone can you know they pay the debt of man and thus alone can the, the path be open how yeah i'm just thinking how beautifully shri arbindo puts words into ashwapati's mouth into narad's mouth about savitri yes. when she returns after having met satyavan in the beginning book 1 canto 2 as you yes. said the issue he, he describes yes. her he describes yes. her walk her look smile. her smile Everything. i mean you can just read those few passages and you, and you are taken by by this this extraordinary beauty that shri arbindo is able to present to us satyavan when satyavan looks at savitri oh yes and and yes. this is we must understand this is darshan this is not just words which are weaving this brings the being and persona of savitri close to us this is darshan literally you know through the words he builds a word body of the divine mother in all her you know various states look here a mighty presence still defends thy frame he could see that presence around her which is guarding her frame frame is the body perhaps and now he starts uh, you know building the case perhaps the heavens guard thee for some great soul there is somebody who is there to come in your life so there is a presence guarding you defending you these two lines when they combine carry a very different meaning than the line taken in isolation the heaven guards you for someone else first is only the presence guarding your frame and then he qualifies it that perhaps thy fate thy work are kept somewhere afar thy spirit came not down a star alone 
and it's interesting because in the beginning you see when shubhendra describes savitri he says uh, the greatest greatest the strong are greatest when they stand alone so she is described as somebody whom none can mate and none can match and yet her spirit has come not down a star alone so many do try to yeah offer themselves to her some out of ego some out of anger that she's so great there there are many of them come close to her but but no way no so this something very unique of course in uh, this opens doors to it comes little later also so we'll just uh, read it there oh living inscription of the beauty of love her body is the inscription of the beauty of love can you imagine you know that a body can be made of the element of love that's why now we understand you know when we use terms like sham sundar is sham dark and his sundar so beauty was at one point of time even beauty of form it was so much emphasized in india as i said if you read the description of rama of sita and then subsequently of all these great beings their physical form is described and later on because of the you know mayavad and illusionism it all went into the background so now it is even i read some um, places a horrible description a kind of meditation you must dis- you must meditate upon your body as a dead corpse so i don't want to name a great yogin and uh, genuinely great so this was noted uh, asked to shirbindo that should i do this to cut off my you know attachment to the body he said i would never recommend it this is not our path the body is a living instrument of the divine you can't turn it into a dead corpse well you may uh, find release but this is not the path of release it's the path path of transformation release from the wrong attachment from the false notions release from all the misuses to which the body has been you know uh, prone but otherwise the body is an instrument of the divine so this comes here she is the living inscription of the beauty of love missled in aureate virginity what is aureate virginity i mean this is so wonderful virginity in the indian sense was purity in its highest sense it was not at one place nalnida writes something very beautiful chastity is of the mind not just of the body not because physical body now aureate the highest possible a body which is completely given yes yes golden given only to the divine it won't move without the divine command is meant for that so aureate virginity virginity itself is we have this conception of virginity which is very very banal and carnal but true virginity is to be absolutely pure and untouched in the consciousness so that's how the satis were they were so untouched and pure in their consciousness completely open to the divine so they were very few but the the power that they could and that's how one understands uh, as an aside the story of ahilya because ahilya even in her you know she is duped she is a sati but she is duped by indra who takes the form of her husband gautam you know that story no and they sleep together now anything wrong with that is the form of the husband so nothing wrong about as far as she is done but the beauty was that you have to understand that form is not all there are beings who can assume a form but they cannot mimic the consciousness so it's a story which takes you to what heights of understanding it's not just about the form it's about the consciousness so here we see all this coming in savitri what message of heavenly strength and bliss in thee so she brings a message when we look at her you know this idea of a woman being very frail and fragile is never an indian idea it never was all the great indian women they fought wars kk she was actually you know drawing the car of chariot of dashratha her husband and when he is hit by a missile and almost falls unconscious she saves him that's how 
<laughs> he promises that I'll give you anything. He says, not now. I'll ask you in my own time. So, such were the women, even those who didn't go for war. Look at, you know, often Bharat's birth, Shakuntala. What strength! She goes alone with this boy in the court of the king and says, how dare you, you know, this is your child. <laughs> this strength, which is so much emphasized in the you know, story of Durga and everything. We lost that, you know, when somebody started saying, Nari is abla, she is a weakling. So once she is a weakling, she needs a man's protection. <laughs> so, all these are completely... And thank God that these are becoming dated conceptions. They are all outdated now. Please. Men, men need women's protection. No, <laughs> no, submiss- no submissiveness, ladies. Yeah. You should be so strong that Men would need the protection. <laughs> Mother at one place says, says, only thing that nature endowed man with a little more than a woman is physical strength. Everything else, and now even that is gone. <laughs> with, so, <clears throat> so then she says, he says, what message of heavenly strength and bliss in thee is written with the eternal's sun-white script. Imagine the body, there is a message of the divine written in the body. And who will read this message? Now he says this message is for someone. One shall discover and greaten with it his life, to whom thou loosenest thy heart's jewel strings. So there is a message. Just imagine, look at the whole scenario. That there is a message that the eternal has written in a body, in a form. Somebody will meet her. To whom she will bear the heart. And he will read the message that this is the message meant for me. (laughs) And that's how you see that love is born. It's something amazing. The whole dynamics is described so beautifully. Not like, you know, uh, calculations, attractions and all surface things. But that message. How about standing arrested, luminous Sachivan? That line where, you know, he stands arrested when he could have turned away is exactly how things happen between Rishi Agast and Lopamudra. But in the other way, so when Lopamudra actually was created by Agast Rishi, he is the one who had, um, you know, created her and told her father that when she comes of age, then I will come and marry her. Because she was, uh, he couldn't have married just anybody. So when he goes there, so her name I have forgotten, some name of that princess. When she comes and sees Rishi Agast, she just forgets herself. So that is Lopa Mudra. She forgets Lop. Completely she is forgetful of how she is standing, how she is. So that's how her name comes as Lopa Mudra. So this is one of the so everything was given such importance, gestures, postures, how we connect. It should be the spontaneous expression of the divine within. <clears throat> Look at this line, to whom thou loosenest thy heart jewel strings. So you have kept this love and beauty guarded for someone. I mean, this is such an ideal, even ideal of human love has been lifted to what heights in Shurabindu and the mother. Oh, and now he's describing. Look, he's not, you know, this is called Shringar Rush to its Acme. Oh, rubies of silence. Lips that don't speak. So they are rubies of silence. Lips from which they are stole. Low laughter. Music of tranquility. She would hardly speak. Yet time to time, laughter stole from the lips. And what she spoke was... You know, he's describing a voice. It's a soft, low note which filled the hearts of men with tranquility. Can we just imagine this? He's describing a lips. And then the eyes. Star, lustrous eyes awake in sweet, large night. The brows, the you know, lashes, the hairs. Star, lustrous eyes. Awake in sweet, large night. And limbs like fine-linked poems made of gold. 
all this we have read no adaram madaram sab all goes into the background adaram madaram is about that you know you are so sweet but here look at it limbs what are his her limbs like poem stands it in gold poems means rhythm and the highest rhythms that is possible were there in there was not one fault in the design everything was so perfect you know i i remember of course with mother's form just imagine uh, two little stories one was surinda johar when he came here taradi's father and he heard about mother sherbindo so he went to see her mother's darshan you see that coming down the stairs and she stands he says when i saw her his first thing was never before such a beautiful form has manifested he was captured by her beauty my own little experience first time when i saw shurbindo's bust in calcutta bhavan i didn't even know he is shurbindo i didn't know it is shurbindo bhavan i didn't know it's his birthplace i had entered because i was loitering <laughs> loitering around <laughs> during internship must be what it 1982 and i entered a you know i saw nature's art gallery because friends wanted to go for a movie so i was not interested so i said okay i'll go back to i love to walk alone so i entered there i asked them where is the exhibition it's all over anyways i just casually entered the courtyard where you have shubindu samadhi i mean the relics and a bust of shubindu it's the birthplace of shubindu strangely it is not the relics and the samadhi which caught my attention but the bust and i went near to see the bust and the thought that flashed into my mind was the most perfect human form ever expressed on earth i don't know why it's not like i am a connoisseur of forms <laughs> so i sat down and meditated in some bliss i went and walked out without asking what place is it very well, well, who it who was, was i didn't know this <laughs> i mean he revealed and veiled so later on i used to say why did you wait he waited till i got married joined air force fully then he came i said this is not fair <laughs> i told him this is not fair you came to me but you and you showed you glimpsed i felt so beautiful sat down meditated walked in a trance of bliss literally a trance of bliss is the word i can say and it was such a beautiful thing i don't know how i walked back to the hospital and i didn't even bother to see who's bust i just thought any somebody's bust <laughs> so he see he puts a veil over you he'll reveal only when the time is ready and then the other was when kapali shastri goes to meet shurbindo that is amazing we all know about mother meeting shurbindo that's so is unparalleled so kapali shastri asks time from shurbindo and shurbindo gives him the time at 3:30 because he was coming to pondicherry and that is the time he is also asked to give a lecture on the vedas what to do so the lecture time got postponed and then he goes to meet shurbindo so he describes when he saw shurbindo and he says it looked to me that lord rama maryada purushottam ram he had come alive the perfect aryan he could imagine when he just came and he stood on the threshold and all that he told kapali shastri was uh, he told in sanskrit greeted him and shurbindo also greeted him then he asked him to sit he gave him some apple and he kept it he says every gesture was he had a feeling that all that he had read about the ancient aryan gods he looked like one and amrita from behind this amazing he wanted to have a glimpse of shirbindo so i think it was vara or i may be wrong in the name but one of them said okay i am taking food for him so if you want you can come along So it's okay. So he knocks, opens the door. Uh, he knocked, yes. So then Shubhendra came down, opened the door. Now when he opened, Shubhendra by then already turned and started walking back, and he had to keep the food there. And Amrita describes, I saw from behind Shubhendra, and the way he describes that it was like. you know <laughs> golden purusha come alive and that was the ex- experience people had just with the form of mother and shirbindo it is not just a form 
It was a form which was expressive of the deity within. And that's what we should be. This is the true change of form. That's why transformation, formation, transformation. The form itself must change. It's the last conquest. You can't leave it. It must change to express the divinity within. So we see this so beautifully. And what wonderful description. And limbs like fine-linked poems made of gold. Not joints. Limbs. Linked. <laughs> Look at the thing. <laughs> made of gold. Stanzed to glimmering curves by artist gods. Each curve in the limb was the artist gods had made it. Depart. So now he tells her. Depart where love and destiny call your charm. <clears throat> How different than today's times when you know woman has to be in the house. Now times are changing because they have revolted thankfully. Otherwise it used to be father will find out and then he will catch and tie her like a cow is tied to the <laughs> kuta. Literally, this was the expression used, and this was called as something very great. Kute se bandena. Have you heard this expression? One of the crudest expressions. Kute se bandena was meant for marriage. That a woman has to be tied to us so that she doesn't run away. Are they don't know she will run away with the kuta. <laughs> Today's woman, she'll say, You tie me. See, I am now Krishna's. Uh, Child, you know, Krishna ran away with the kuta, no? She said, okay, tie me with the kuta. <laughs> I'll run away with the kuta. Following me. <laughs> Following me. But this, this is how it was understood. But look here how he says, go and find your mate. You have to find the man of your destiny. It was not so common in those days when he sends her all over. Yeah, but this, if you read the six, the Vedas, they speak about eight types of marriage. And six were sanctioned by the society. And two were not sanctioned. So the two which were not sanctioned were kidnapping and drugging somebody forcibly into marriage. They were not sanctioned. Even if you uh, apparently got married, it was considered null and void by the society. You didn't have to go and file a case. It was enough that it was done under. But among the six types, the marriage that is sanctioned in the Vedas, we actually find happening to Savitri and Satyavan. And that marriage is called as Gandharva Viva. So Gandharva Viva is a marriage where two people decide to marry, a boy and a girl, with no witnesses, no legal this thing, with no parental approval, they don't even know. And when two people marry in their, uh, you know, when alone, they love each other and they get married. It was it had the sanction of the Vedas. This it, it was not regarded as or you have done a big uh, sin or something. Of course, the highest marriage was it was not just a marriage of two beings but two souls and all the gotras and all this was seen. But here there was no caste gotra, nothing was. So this was Gandharviva. In Savitri, you will see actually Savitri Satyavan marry that way. But Shurabindu has changed it into the highest form where he says the sun is the witness. Because all this form had to be broken. They had become means for, you know, all kinds of things. So here, <clears throat> depart where love and destiny call your charm. Venture through the deep world to find thy mate. Ever seen a father sending a daughter on such an errand? <laughs> exactly. Find thy mate. Even where there was Shamvar, like Sita's marriage is a Shamvar. Draupadi is a swamber. But even there, she is not going out to find the mate. But here he is asking. So, you see, this tendency, India is so multifaceted, so vast. It had kept in mind all the different possibilities of human nature. And given us why Savitri is being sent and not, as you rightly said, it was not the norm. True. Because he looks at Savitri and knows she is missioned. She is a mission child. You can't tie her to anyone. She is conscious. She is the one who must make a choice. She will find. So it's a different story altogether. And yet it had the sanction. He was not doing anything which was not in uh, you know, conformity with the society or the age. 
<clears throat> For somewhere on the longing breast of earth, thy unknown lover waits for thee, the unknown. This, uh, you know, line reminds me of that story mother wrote, a sapphire tale. Where, you know, this girl goes all the way and there is this, uh, or the boy goes all the way and travels to an island where this prince is waiting for her. It's a beautiful story. And then the two come back together. You know, this concept that, you know, within a small little frame, what a vastness that story brings. And it is not a story. Whatever Mother and Shubhinda have written or done, or it is going to be the new norm. That's why when people say, you know, today's children are spoiled, I tell them, <laughs> they have set a new norm. You can't help it. What the divine has set is going to be the new norm. And the divine knows better than us, million times better, what is needed for today's times. It may look hazardous. And human psychically describes all this, that, you know, when people enter into this state, they go through a subjective uh, cycle where there may be uh, risks and dangers, but mankind has to go through it if it has to evolve into a spiritual consciousness. You can't, otherwise it will be all religion. Force people to do this, do that, through a code. So now humanity is being liberated from itself and it will explore the subjective spaces, make its mistakes and discover its truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please continue. Thy soul has strength and needs no other guide than one who burns within thy bosom's powers. This is so marvelous. How to recognize? So people try all those, what nowadays they do, patri and all that. Patri is such a fallacious thing, because to start with, whoever documents accurately the time and, and you know, few seconds sometimes, alteration can completely change the horoscope, if at all. Horoscope is to be, you know. So, he says, who will tell you? How will you know? He doesn't say, you see, you must see that what's his salary. Also take care of the looks. See what he is doing. <laughs> lineage, nothing. He says, your soul has the power. You need no other kind. Nalida was asked this question incidentally. Because Nalida was told, go, get married and come back. <laughs> so, he followed it, literally. He went... Got parried and came back. So people asked, she was moon goddess, Hindulikhadi. So he was asked, how did you decide? He said, nothing. I went, I saw, I knew. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> I went, I saw, the Lord had sent me. So he had put whatever is needed. I went, I met, I saw, I knew. I knew, that's it. I got married. Human mind can never understand that there is a way of living which is so simple, so direct, so intuitive and so true. So, When yes. mother told me <clears throat> that I must marry, I should have no doubt and no hesitation, I wrote to this young lady, some of you have known her, Annie, and I said, mother says, we have to get married. She said, okay. <laughs> so I came there and I wrote mother what kind of ceremony mother said the fire ceremony would be the best Yes, and we had the fire ceremony it was so beautiful no formality no people there nothing. just two of us in a fire ceremony and a pundit and she has a fire ceremony if you read her message on marriage you actually see that fire ceremony is a symbol of this deeper truth of uniting around the fire of aspiration. Because that fire is a symbol of that. And I often say this union around the fire means who is at the center? Aspiration. Neither man nor woman nor, nor parents nor in-laws. The moment you put them in the fire, they will get roasted. And if you happen to put... <laughs> and if you put yourself in the fire, be prepared to be roasted. The man who tries no, to be at the center of the family or in a relationship, he is the worst, uh, I mean, fool. Because, you know, your life will be miserable. Nobody will listen to you. And you still believe that you are in the center. There is no more miserable situation to be in. So, be here, let the fire burn. 
and be around, organize your life around that. So it's so beautiful. <laughs> there shall draw near to meet thy approaching steps the second self for whom thy nature asks, he who shall walk until thy body's end, a close-bound traveler pacing with thy pace, the lyrist of thy soul's most intimate chords, who shall give voice to what in thee is mute. Oh, oh powerful. So this was the sense of complementarity, of complementary beings, of soulmate, as it is called today. Of course, this word has very interesting connotations, so let me clarify. So somebody once asked me how to find the soulmate. I said, find the soul, mate will come, <laughs> leave the mate. <laughs> but you'll go through, you know, it's right now humanity is evolving. It has not reached that point where it can discover straight away. But Shurabindu gave two conditions for discovering the soul, mate. Not easy, either of them. Answering soul might be a better term. Yes, answering soul. Absolutely. Even answering limb. I do believe that there are affinities at every level. But Shurabindu said, first is complete freedom from desire. Sir, what are you saying, sir? <laughs> complete mastery over sexual impulse. So much of humanity will say, okay, we are happy with whatever. <laughs> but these are the conditions for finding a real complementary being. But they do exist, so we can't say that. But the chances of finding them is one in maybe a thousand. So, but they do exist. So he is asking her to go and discover that who will give voice to you. Means you are moved by the same impulsion, but one is the organizing power and the other is the one who receives or you know conceives ideative and the emotional. This is a whole um, beautiful thing about a man-woman relationship that Shubhindo very subtly and not so subtly reveals to us. The secret of man-woman relationship. So one is, uh, man is generally more ideative. He lives in the realm of ideas. So he draws from the ideative world. And woman, she is conceptive. So she conceives them and organizes them. So you see, in, even in animal world, you will see all the work is done by the feminine. You will be surprised. And in human world also, whatever people may say, man goes, ans, lives in a realm of ideas, but the woman organizes his entire life from the small details to everything else. This was the ideal. That she, because she has the organizing power. Why organizing power? She has the Jnana Shakti, Maheshwari. She has the strength, the Bala Shakti, Kali. And she gets... You know, don't underestimate the power of a common woman. <laughs> she has the prema shakti. She can harmonize, bind people together. She has that power within her. She can bind heaven to earth. She can bind. That's how you know she connects all the different family members in India. You will see, men are not bothered, but she knows how to really connect them. And of course, she has the Shakti which can enter into the details of material organization where everything from where a thing is kept whether it's clean or not clean everything she can organize in every detail. And then we have to remember Shakespeare's line. Which was that? Hell hath no power like a woman scorned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an understatement. <laughs> that you have to read the story of Kanya Kumari. <laughs> Burn the whole city. And she gets, you know, angry. <laughs> That's why intelligent people ensure that woman doesn't get angry. And if she gets angry, they bow to her feet and say, I am at fault. Don't try to, you know, justify yourself and say, no, I am right. Be careful. <laughs> and especially times are changing. Okay, so... <laughs> Please read. It is beautiful. Yeah. Then shall you grow like vibrant kindred, kindred harps. Wow. One in the beats of difference and delight, responsive in divine and equal strains 
discovering new notes of the eternal theme. Well, so there is such a beautiful, it's called in Hindi, I don't know the English word must be, Jugal uh, Bandi, when uh, say a, a pianist and, not a pianist, but uh, somebody who plays the flute and another on tabla or sitar, when the two, um, they are different notes and yet they are uh, together. They are Synchronicity. Meant to, synchronicity. Maybe I, I don't know the English word, but in Hindi it's called Jugal Bandi. So they together they play. Each one plays, then together. So there is a difference. And yet, one in the difference. So it's not that she has to think like him and feel like him. That's, it's not annulment of individuality. But it's enriching each other, which is different than, you know, annulling. And annulling individuality is a very dangerous kind of relationship. Anyone who wants you to become like that person, it's a very asuric form of relationship where you completely want to annul the individuality and want the other person to think like you, feel like you, follow things like you. It's not that. So so beautifully every word, the lyricist of thy soul's most intimate chord. Okay. One in the vibrant kindred harps. One in the beats of difference and delight. So the, this difference is meant to add the joy of a relationship. It is not meant to, you know, create noise and uh, belan and quarrel and all this. It's meant to increase the joy and delight by the difference. Responsive in divine and equal strain. So it's not like the difference is uh, Uttar Dakhin and you know, you do your thing, I do my thing. No. This is the divine strain. This is the common thing which, you know, holds them together. And discovering new notes of the eternal theme. So they have to together walk into this great journey of life and discover and create new aspects, new wonders, manifest. They have to manifest. So that's why when the rishis were given a command which people often misunderstand. One of the first rishis after the pralaya, his name is Kardam Rishi. So God appears before him. and He says, what is the command? It says, create offsprings. Now, it, no, if you look at it only this way, it sounds very strange. Of course, after pralaya, it is understandable when there are just about thousand human beings on earth. But here, its offspring always invariably means new possibilities, new modes of manifestation. So, together they can bring out new modes of manifestation. One through the ideative world, another through the manifesting world. That's exactly what you see with Mother and Shubhinda. If you ever want to see the yeah, perfect relationship, all the dreams of Shubhinda, I, I would say, you know, and Shubhinda himself has said something there, they would have remained dreams, beautiful. But for the mother, who the moment she came, she started manifesting them. The Arya came in, the new idea, honesty store in 1914. Then she goes and comes back. And the day she takes charge, look at it. Everything that Shurabindo has kept it there, she picks up and expresses it. So many fold activity. And she said to Dilip Kumar Roy, you know, when he had this problem between mother and Shurabindo, she said, what else we hear? What else are we here for but to please Shurabindo? Everything that she did was nothing else but expressing a truth that Shurabindo had released in the earth. What a wonder of wonders it is. In fact, he asked, Mother, why are we here? Yes. That was her answer. Yeah. To please Sri Aurobindo. So one of the things that happened, very interestingly, because she started the playground activity. This context is important. Because children had come. And then the playground had started. You know, children came, physical education started. Not playground came much later. So people couldn't understand. That what is this, sports, this, that. So there are a number of letters where on one side, Shurabindo clarifies that mother is not expecting or wanting everybody to start running and become a sportsman or that, you know, you will do yoga with that. But at the same time, because there were people who started revolting that this ashram is becoming something else. Mm -hmm. We should just be sitting and meditating, quietly going, eating food and coming back. This is the idea people have. Now with the coming of children, it was changed. So just to explain and bring home the point of the importance of the body. It is one thing 
which has been touched even in essays, you know, early essays, you will see the body, the poems are there. But Shurabindu wrote a series of essays, which was apparently for the journal of the um, Shurabindu Ashram Physical Education Department. And when were they written? 49. They are the last essays written. And, you know, they have come under supramental manifestation. He speaks about the divine body. He speaks about perfection of the body. He speaks about the necessity of sports. Because that was something which just people won't understand. So they thought the mother is doing something which... Uh, there are some people who still believe that, you know, mother does something and Shobindu sanction. So when you read these writings, you see very clearly. There was nothing which she would... It's understood which didn't have directly the sanction of the Divine. I knew people who came and they saw this ashram they said, what are all these departments and what is all this sports and these young yeah. girls running around in short pants. And, <laughs> and one of them was a good friend of mine, <clears throat> Dmitri von Morenschild, <clears throat> who lived to 100 in the ashram. And... Eleanor Montgomery, you mm, might I, have I heard know. of her. I know, but maybe she they, said they to may. him, she was a long time disciple. And she would always sit next to mother in the, in the playground. Fashion designer, is it? Hmm? So? Yeah, she, she was made fifth, a big, big Fifth Avenue wealthy yeah. lady, yeah. She said, at least look at mother once. He said, no, I'm going. I've had it. This, this ashram, there's nothing here. <laughs> Departments and all of this. So finally she convinces him and he goes to see mother playing tennis. And as she's playing tennis, momentarily she turns around and looks at him and he says, I rose three feet in the air and I was hers forever. Absolutely. Her lila and everything how she poured. So you see this emphasis, which is ancient Vedic times they used to. There was another, uh, I think, was it uh, Vidya Alankar or one of those uh, persons who is a renowned Vedic uh, author, not just a scholar. And he in old age had come here. And when he saw, he went back and wrote that, I felt so happy. I used to dream that one day we'll have the Vedic age India once again. But after he saw the playground and all this, he said, I was sure that this is the Vedic India which has started to, you know, uh, take roots and take seeds. So because this was there in the Vedic times, it's only now, you know, all these, the department, we didn't have many departments, but two, man department and woman department, she broke all that. <laughs> so beautiful. And, and this is going to be the new norm. Because whatever the divine has, set his hand on, is going to take shape. It cannot be, you know. So she started in the kitchen, men cooking. And then later on somebody said, my wife doesn't cook or something like that. She said, I am totally against women cooking for their husbands. Why should they? Are they slaves? Now you know. <laughs> so now you see it, the norm both come together and cook. Or sometimes the man cooks. But then she Cooks because he says, you are no good, so let me just, you know. <laughs> and smart men deliberately, you know, don't make it so good. <laughs> because see, a woman always adds that tender love, which, you know, man's cooking is like, okay, it's edible. But whatever it is, the whole thing is he set a new trend, which is going to be the norm. Whether people like it or not, understand it or not is irrelevant now. And I would rather say, better try to understand it. <laughs> oh, there was one thing about Dmitri I wanted, I forgot to tell you. Why did he come here? He read prayers and meditations. And he said, never have I read anything of such beauty. And oh. I just had to come here and meet the person who wrote that. Yes, amazing it is. <laughs> Uh, maybe we could yeah, finish. We, we can finish it. <clears throat> One force shall be your mover and your guide. One light shall be around you and within. Hand in strong hand. Hand in strong hand confront heaven's question 
life what a expression of togetherness not weak hand and strong hand hand in strong hand and you'll be moved by the same force not like so here he is qualifying there will be difference but a common aspiration common goal common seeking and common he uses path. the word confront confront and yeah. at the same pace that's what she gave in the message on marriage walking hand in hand together at the same pace toward the same goal that is what is the seven parikramas you can't run away that oh i am going fast you are tied that is the beauty of yeah challenge the ordeal of the immense disguise this creation is a disguise of the divine and you have to you know go through that ordeal ascend from nature to divinity's heights face the high gods crowned with felicity then meet a greater god thyself beyond time so this all this you meet walk together face the ordeal take the challenge of life and then these last three line ascend from nature to divinity's height let love not be a means for fall but a means for ascension ascend but it comes after the meeting the two are holding hand in hand ascend from nature to divinity's heights i would say restore love to its origin pristine purity see love is a force which requires that another otherwise all of the forces can go directly face the high gods crowned with felicity then meet a greater god thyself beyond time i was wondering if we could do next week yes as when the mantra yeah, because this is this is the one where also could, the message comes here and how can we yeah very good okay so